That'd be good. You're allowed to smile. Fantastic. Has everybody been? Um, has anybody been gone to Woolworths or uh, some supermarket in the last couple of weeks and thought bought all these groceries and then had to go and buy an extra bunch of bags to put it in? Change is always difficult sometimes, isn't it? How dare they do that? <laughs> change, change all the time is happening, isn't it? I have this week, sometimes I just put the groceries back in the trolley, all separate, push them out to the, out to the, uh, out to the boot, put them all back in the boot separate, take them into the house separate. It's hard to carry five bottles of mineral water, but you know, without a bag, but we do it, don't we? It's just you've got to learn, we've got to learn to pick up on the changes, isn't it? Change all the time. Did you notice how seats are now actually, who, who had never realized that seats are actually curved now? Did everybody realize that? You don't want to put up your hand? They want, they're always straight, now they're curved. Ah, oh, did you? <laughs> just in case you hadn't noticed. Change. Sometimes we do things in the church and they're there for months and no one ever sees them. It's amazing how we just get used to, not, we get so familiar, don't we? Sometimes I think God is continually asking us and prompting us to see, to develop things that, you know, things that need to be changing. Who agrees? There's always something in life that has to be changing. I think God's, like, because it'd be so easy just to settle back into, well, I'm okay, everything's right. But I think God prompts us. I think he, he continues to want to bring things that'll just take us out of our comfort and move us into our future because you'll never move into a better future if you're happy just to sit in the comfortable. True. Um, I've got a verse I wanted to read you. Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 to 10. It's, a, it's uh, the very first book of the uh, Old Testament. It's a great story. It's a story about two brothers. Um, Genesis 4, 1 to 10. It says this. Cain and Abel. You've heard those two brothers? Um, it says in verse 1 of Ch Genesis chapter 4, Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. And I love what Eve says. She says, with the help of the Lord, I've brought forth a man. I was contemplating that thought. Obviously, God, you know, she, you know, honored God with that statement. But, you know, it was more than God. It was also a husband, of course. Verse 2, later she gave birth to his brother Abel, and Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel, who brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn, notice that, the firstborn of his flock, and God looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. And then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? That's a good question. Michelle's asked me that question sometimes, my wife. Why are you angry? Don't ask me. <laughs> why is your face downcast, God said to Cain? If you do what is right, you will, not be, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Verse 8, now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out of the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. 
And then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? (laughs) Here's the lie. (laughs) I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? And then verse 10, the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. This is a story, as we can plainly see, about these two brothers, Cain and Abel. And uh, this is an interesting passage, an interesting part of their lives. Um, really, if you read it, it's a story about firsts, F-I-R-S-T-S, first. Cain and Abel were the first generation to be born on the face of the earth through parents. Okay, remember Adam and Eve, their parents were created. They were born. Um, Cain was the first uh, farmer. Abel was the first shepherd. He, he looked after the flocks. Um, Abel was the first person to give a first, to take his firstborn animal and um, offer it to God. So there's a lot of firsts in here in this passage. But more than that, it's interesting about these two young guys. Um, they were good young men. Let's just kind of look at it for a moment. They were good young men. They'd kind of grown up in church, in a sense, because they knew it was important and that God, they both understood that God desired an offering. Okay? They both understood that, well, we've got to give an offering. Okay? So uh, the trouble started when it was the younger of the two brothers, Abel, who received a, uh, a positive response and a favorable acceptance of his offering from God. And uh, this outcome infuriated, infuriated Cain, who, of course, was the older brother. And it was already, I mean, Cain was already angry because God had rejected his offering. And if that wasn't enough, now God accepts his younger brother's offering, but not his. And so he is angry already that God didn't respond to him with favor. And yet now he responds to his younger brother with favor. And so Cain was doubly angry. And, and Cain uh, was getting uh, anger, as we see. And it went, from, um, it, it went down the wrong track. And we see Cain offered the fruit of his land. Abel offered the uh, fruit of his flock. And you may say, well, why did God respond to Abel so positively and yet to Cain so negatively? Why did he accept Abel's offering and not Cain? Have you ever asked yourself that question when you read this passage? Um, The first thing we need to understand, there was nothing wrong with the offering. There was nothing wrong with what they both gave. Cain gave of his fruit of his land. Abel gave of the fruit of his flock. Both offerings were okay. There's nothing wrong with the offering. What was wrong was there's something in the giving of the offering and something in the heart of of Cain that was different to Abel that caused God to accept one and reject the other. There was something going on in the hearts of both these young men. You see, Abel desires to give the first. You notice it says in the scripture, it says that Abel gave the firstborn of his flock. In other words, he, he, it was almost like he, pre, well, I think he pre-planned it. He said, whatever comes, whatever, what is born first will be presented to God. That's just a given for me. And in that, we see something of Abel's incredible heart to give what came first to God. His first fruit offering was an indication of what came first in his life. Do you know what came first in his life? God came first in his life. Because he was willing to give the very precious thing that, that meant his... I mean, his flock was his survival. There's no animals. Um, there's no future. And so in his heart, he said, well, I've got to realize that even that is not greater than God. And so he says, I'm going to be first. I'm going to give to God, which reflected his heart attitude. Now, Cain, Cain gave his out of what we would call a, a formalism. 
You know what formalism is? It's, it's, it's what you've got to do because you've just got to do it. It's what you've got to do because, well, that's what we always do. It's what you do out of habit but not out of heart. There's a difference, isn't there? Um, sometimes we do things out of habit but there's no heart in the habit. There's nothing wrong with a good habit. It's just that you've got to have a heart to do it or you'll just, it'll just become something that's a dead thing. Would you agree? I could love my wife out of habit, but I choose to love her out of my heart because if I continue to love her out of my habit, uh, I've just got to love you. You know, who knows? The marriage mightn't last too long. So we've got to, So Cain came, and, and his attitude uh, towards God was, you know, I've, uh, because it, it, says in the, in, it says in the process of time, notice it says in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering. In the process of time. There's, there's a slide for that one. There it is. He's got a bit of a rock in his hand. He looks a bit upset. So in the process of time, do you know what that literally means? It means at the end of the days. In other words, when all of Cain's crop had been harvested, all his olives and his grapes and his wheat and his barley had been brought in, he said, oh, got to give a portion to God. It was, it was something of a, a, a chore, something of a, uh, something that, that reflected his giving of it, reflected his attitude towards God. And his attitude towards God wasn't that he hated God. It's just that his attitude towards God was, well, you know, God um, really, he didn't say this, but it was the leftovers he gave to God. And so his hard attitude towards God was a bit half-hearted. Well, this will do. I'll just satisfy what I've got to do. This is, you know, what we've done in the past. I know I've got to give an offering. Here we go. Just do it. Uh, and so Cain's attitude was reflected. Herein lies the problem for Cain which if we just look at it for a moment this morning, it really does reflect some important principles for us in life. Okay, out of this principle of Cain and the, and the opposites they were. They were brothers, but they were different. I don't know how sometimes you can have so many children and yet they can be so different, but that just happens sometimes. It's not easy to work out, but these two young brothers had different heart attitudes. And Cain, it led to some problems. The, the, the first thing I've come to understand about this passage is what you um, place first determines what comes next. You think about that. What you place first in life first determines what comes next. Can't get away from that fact. Um, for Cain, his lack of regard for the important in life caused him to take a slippery slope down the slope of disregard for his brother. And if you look at his disregard for his brother, it turned into kind of a jealousy and an envy. It turned into an anger. It turned into a rage. It turned into a murder. Um, that's a sad ending, isn't it? Sad ending. When you, all it started with was just a, a bit angry about this situation, and yet it turns into this point where someone loses their life. That's a, that happens, doesn't it? But see, what you do, put first determines what, you, what comes next. And we've got to be careful. Cain's attitude was, you know, we see Cain's attitude and yet we see Abel's attitude was to give the first and the best. And uh, the result of what he put first is a favorable report uh, from God. God's saying, hey, that's great. And you know why? It wasn't the offering. It was the, what was the, it was the heart of people's lives that is so important. So, so what came next was, of course, we see for Cain a terrible result, a terrible thing, uh, and, it, and it caused into a great disaster. 
and a member of that family, right at the start of creation. I mean, this is the, the first man to be born, uh, the, sorry, the second man to be born, Abel, now found that he wasn't alive anymore because of his brother's rage. If you were to consider the realities of your life about what you put first, uh, um, determines what, and, and you think about it, what you put first determines what comes next. Think about some of the things that you see happen in your life right now, and you don't like those things, but I just like to say the reality is, is, is it probably was determined what you reap now is what you, of course, put first way back here in life. What you put back here then is affecting what you receive now. Um, now, that can be really good things and blessing, or it can be some difficult things. You know, if I, if I continually drove my car, for instance, continually drove my car, um, not just for a week or a month or six months or a year, and never serviced it, never changed the oil, never changed the brake pads, never changed the tires, you know, maybe in a year, maybe in two years, who knows, something's going to go terribly wrong with that car. Maybe it'll grind to a halt because it's never been serviced. And yet I would say, hey, I drove the car sensibly. I never crashed the car. I continued to, I never revved the car, you know, or, or done anything wrong with the car. I just continued, I, you know, I, I hopped in the seat, I took the steering wheel and I drove it. Why would it now fail me? Because there's sometimes you've got to put some things first to continue to see some things what's going to come next. And the things that we fail to put first is sometimes just the, the regular service maintenance of what we need to do so that we continue on that road of blessing and not destruction. And so, you know, in... In, in, in the car situation, it seems common sense to all of us, that illustration, that you'd continue to look after your car because you know in six months and a year's time, you still want to be driving the thing. But if we were to bring that, if you were to say the same thing about your, I don't know, relationships, for instance, what about marriage? If you continue to, um, if you, what you put first in your marriage will determine what comes next down the, 10 years down the track. If you put some effort in, if you put some commitment in, if you put some time in, maybe guys should put some flowers in, I don't know, whatever ticks your wife's box, or wives, whatever ticks your husband's box, you know, if you do some of those things, uh, maybe in 10 years you'll have an even better marriage, you'll have a healthy, it doesn't mean you haven't faced some, um, some road bumps and, and blockages, but you know, you've worked through it because you've got something that's solid because you've made a commitment to put things first in your relationship so that it ends up, what comes next is something really positive and good. You know, and so we've got to be aware of it um, all our lives. Maybe your job. Look at your job. And you think, well, if I'm kind of apathetic about my job, if I just kind of turn up to work when I want to, um, take every sickie I can, maybe you'll find you won't have a job eventually. But if you're diligent, apply yourself, turn up at work, you know, you know do the right thing. Maybe in six, you'll still have a job. See, it's what you, I know this seems so fundamental, but sometimes the fundamental stuff we neglect. And we get to a certain period in our life and say, why has this happened to me? Well, maybe it happened to you because you neglected to do something first. Maybe that's the reason. Something you needed to put in place. And so we see that um, uh, Cain and Abel, there were some things that Cain done that unfortunately took it down a bad path. And yet Abel, some things he'd done, it took him to a blessed path, so blessed that he went to heaven eventually, unfortunately. But because of the pain, because of, the, of someone else's mistakes, Cain. See, 
Jesus actually talks about something in the Bible in Matthew 22. He says something about first. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and love him with all your mind. He says, this is the first. This is the first and most important commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as you love yourself. I'm convinced that the order of that verse is no mistake. It says, love God, and then it says, as you love God, and then it says, the second is like it, it says, love your neighbor. I think the order is really important because I've discovered if you are struggling and loving people, loving some people, or just struggling and loving people, or maybe relatives, or or, or spouses, or children, or parents, or friends, I've discovered there's a key. If you put the love of God in your heart first, it's, it sometimes becomes so much better to love everybody else around you next. But if you try to love people in your own strength sometimes, it gets quite difficult, doesn't it? But the love of God, shed abroad in our hearts, it said, could do amazing things when we put Him first. See, so what you place first in your life determines what comes next. And if I can say, if you don't like what has been coming next, then change what you do first. Change what you do first. Think about that. If you don't like what's been coming at you, change what you do first. Okay? If, in other words, if you don't like what's been happening in your lives, then it's time to change the seed you're sowing. What seed have you been sowing that you need to change? Um, sometimes it's not a matter of us doing any evil. It's just a matter of us, like our car, we just think we'll just continue to go on in life and everything will be okay. But you know what? You find that not everything is okay. We need to purposely do some things, like change the oil or whatever it's needed in life, purposely do some things that can continue to bring hope and a future and a blessing. But if we just continue on with the same old, same old, maybe our life will come to a grinding halt. You purposely got to make some decisions about, hey, what am I going to do that's going to make this thing better? What am I going to do that's going to make this happen so much better than it is? You could be happy with the way it is, but it could come to an end. You know, another thing about Cain and Abel that I love in this story is not only uh, the reality of um, what you put put first um, affects what comes next. But what you place first should never be out of an obligation. If, once again, the Bible says in the scripture, it says, in the course of time, Cain gave his offering. The, the implication is that Cain, when he gave his offering, it was a delayed offering. It was given out of a sense of obligation and wrong motive. And, um, and, um, and it was just out of this, oh, well, I better satisfy the minimum requirement for me, you know, to exist on this earth. I just better do the minimum requirement. And uh, the reality is, is that it just didn't work. It just didn't fit. But he, because of his, ob he felt an obligation. He, felt he had a wrong motive. Abel's offering, of course, was out of an overflow of gratitude, I believe. An overflow of wanting to put something first, give God the best first, do something for God that was first. Abel understood the priority to give the right heart, have the right heart attitude. Cain's offering was tainted, as I said, by other motives. So um, obligation is not the right heart attitude to give or to do things because you know it's not, because it's just the right thing you've got to do. I'm just, obligation isn't the reason, isn't it? Is it? Obligation, it, 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 oh, it just doesn't make any, there's no fun 
in giving. There's no fun in putting things first when it's just obligation. Got to do this. I want to just share with you how that can be changed. Because, see, what the problem is, we never bother sometimes to give us a, a, ourselves a reason to do what we need to do. And if you could see, if you could have a little bit of an insight, and if you continue to do this, and the result of you continue to do this is going to be really good, you know, that'll motivate you to push past obligation and to, to be committed and obedient to carry that thing out so that at the end you, you get the rewards. That's the reality. Obligation is crushed when you say, you know what, I'm going to rise up, just not in obedience, because often obedience to doing something means sacrifice. You're going to make a sacrifice to continue the plan so that you can have the fruit of your rewards. When you think about it, anything that's worth doing well sometimes requires sacrifice, doesn't it? It's a sacrifice in our lives. You know, as a parent... You know, you give birth to these beautiful children, and there's always there's elements of just sacrifices, giving your time, effort, commitment to make sure that they're, you know, um, they're going to grow up healthy, strong, and all those type of things. There's a sacrifice involved. Maybe, you know, sometimes obligation will take the fun out of it, but when we come and give ourselves a reason uh, that we're going to continue to do this, because we know that the end result will be a good reward, uh, often we'll... we'll um, uh, we'll do the sacrifice. We'll make the sacrifice to do it. Cain's problem was there was no desire to sacrifice. There was, no, there was just an obligation. Even though he gave, it wasn't the best. It was, it was just half-hearted. It was just the leftovers. It was just something later on he gave of his fruit of his land. Um, with Abel, if you look at Abel's commitment, his firstborn was given. Do you know Abel probably gave his firstborn with no guarantee that he'd ever have any more uh, animals after that. The firstborn was born. He gave it straight to God. There was no guarantee of the future. And yet somewhere in his heart, he understood the principle that if I give my best to God, God will look after me the rest of this time. He understood, but it was a sacrifice to give his best. Cain had no desire to sacrifice. Um, we have to sacrifice in many areas of life. If you want to be healthy, you know, there's certain sacrifices you make. You eat certain foods. You don't eat this type of food all the time. You don't drink Coke every day of your life. It mightn't be that good. Is that true? Now, you might drink Coke every day of your life. That's okay, but come and see me when you've had enough because um, reality is you may be asking me to bury you. Um, finally got your attention, didn't it? Have I ever drank Coke? Yes, I have. Don't, I'm not against I'm just saying, you know, there's things that you've got to put into life if you want to have some element of health in your life. Would you agree? See, there's things you've got to do in your relationships if you want to have element of health in those relationships. I think you can understand that. There's things you've got to do if you want to have, um, you know, good work ethic, good study habits. There's things you've got to do. And often they're involved the commitment to sacrifice something else so you can have the best. Or have the, the good reward for it. There's an old man who got up early one morning, showered, put on his best clothes. Um, he went straight down the road to the florist. He bought the biggest bunch of flowers he could afford and buy, and that was pretty good for him. And, and then he finally caught the 7.30 bus into the city. Oh, the bus was pretty crowded. 
he's talking to people, and then he starts a conversation with a, young, a lovely young lady uh, there, and they start to talk. And as he talks, he could see this, like the conversation got around to the flowers he had, and he just he could see that you know um, she wasn't dropping any hints, but she obviously enjoyed flowers. So his bus stop. Um, point where he had to get off came on came along and so he was at, before he hopped off he he said to the young lady he says you know what I can see you really love flowers um you know and um my wife would love you to have these flowers and so um please take them and I'll tell her that you have them and and that'll be cool and so he thrust the flowers into her hand she was a little bit speechless she didn't really know what to do felt a little bit embarrassed in the crowd but you know took them and kind of acknowledged oh, oh, thank you Thank you. And he hopped off the bus and she watched as he walked through the front gate of a little cemetery. And, and as she drove down the road, she could see he, he was there at someone's gravesite, obviously his wife. You know, when you have a reason about life and when you have a reason to sacrifice because you know there's a reward at the end, you're willing to sacrifice. You know, this man, is a give, he sacrifices. It might seem simple, but just to sacrifice that which he wanted to give. Because every month he used to go to his wife, gravesite, and have a chat, you know, with her, and give flowers and beautiful flowers he'd leave at a gravesite. But this particular day he decided that maybe someone else really would appreciate them and his wife would be happy if he'd done that. And, you know, it's a bit of a sacrifice, but it really wasn't in that way because his desire was to give. And, you know, there was no obligation. There was just a desire. And, you know, when you've got a healthy heart about just sac- uh, to, because you want to do something good and you see you're willing to sacrifice. And we see that Abel was willing to do that. Cain wasn't. And the, the outcome was so different when we look at these two guys. Here's another thing about this, uh, about this passage of Scripture. God always places us first. God says, uh, you know, it says, God said to Cain, why are you angry? Remember, this is what God said. Why are you angry, Cain? Uh, Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Will you not be accepted? See what he says? He says, if you, Cain... Why are you angry? If you do what is right, won't you be accepted? This is something you've got to understand about this passage. God never rejected Cain. He just rejected his offering. There's a complete difference. Sometimes we feel like God rejects us. He'll never reject you. He's probably, he'll reject sometimes what we try and present to him. He'll reject sometimes what we, what we, our heart attitude, but he'll never reject us. Never reject us. I can put, you know, the truth is, is I, I, more than likely in every week, at some time in my life, I'll put other things before God. It mightn't be for a long time, but the reality is that you can just slip into that mode so quickly. Stuff, time, things, other things. I've got to put me, and, and, and all of a sudden you find yourself and catch yourself, just wait a second, what do I need to put first here in my day? What do I need to put and, and I find that I've relegated God to second or third or fourth position. But, you know, every time I relegate God to another position, he never relegates me to that position. He actually continues to keep me first in his life, in his heart. And I find that incredible. A God that I sometimes can put last, he'll never put me last. He'll never put you last. 
He never put Cain last. He just said to Cain, Cain, you just need to change your heart attitude here, buddy. Because things can go well for you. You see, after we've made some mistakes, God doesn't disqualify you. In actual fact, it qualifies you to discover more of God's incredible grace and love. And maybe you're here this morning and think, I've made some mistakes. But it actually qualifies you to receive more of what he's got for you if you'll just open your heart to receive. He's got more. Sometimes our, our tomb, what looks like a tombstone to us is just a stepping stone to God for greater things for our life. If we'll come. The trouble with Cain was, is he didn't bother to take that opportunity to come and say, yeah, God, okay, thank you. I blew it, but I can make it better. And I wonder if we're here this morning and you just need to say, you know what, blowing it, but I just need to see that God can make the difference. Can we stand this morning? There's a guy in the Bible called John, and he wrote, he wrote this little book called 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, and he says, you know what? John said, I've discovered that I can love God, and the reason I love God is because I've discovered that God first loved me. Do you know that God loved you before you ever acknowledged him? He loved you before he ever um, draw, um, brought you near. He loved you. And John says, we can love God because he first loved us. God opens the door wide. His love is eternal. Uh, and he invites you. He invites you. I wonder if this morning you would just ask yourselves the question, have I ever accepted that love? Have I ever taken up that challenge to receive into my life God's love through Jesus Christ? that incredible gift of life that Jesus Christ wants, that gift of salvation, it's called in the Bible. Salvation, you might say, saved from what? Saved from hell, saved from an old lifestyle, saved um, from old methods of doing life, saved for a better life, saved to have eternity right here on earth and also in heaven. Jesus Christ is the door of God's love, which we need to walk through. And so I would ask you this morning, if you're here, and you just want to say yes, to Jesus Christ, and you never accepted, maybe never had the opportunity, I'd love to just pray for you where you are. Maybe it's again. Maybe you need to say, well, I've kind of walked away, and I just need to say again. I just need to draw near to God again and come back. I wonder if that's you this morning. And if we could just uh, maybe for a moment give each other a little bit of privacy. We'll just close our eyes. But if there's someone this morning, we just want to say, yep, yep, count me in in your prayer this morning. I'd love you to do that receive Christ or again receive Christ anybody today just put your hand up I'll see that hand you can put it down include me in this prayer well father I thank you for every person today I thank you Lord God that you're a God of uh, father that is so much for us I thank you that you sent Jesus I thank you for the hope we have in that I thank you for the salvation we have in that I thank you, Lord, that there's many people in our community that we rub shoulders with that needs that message of salvation. Help us to be your vessels to share that with others, even our testimony. And even maybe the people that we're connecting with at the moment, our workplace, our social activities, that you'd give us the words to speak. But, Father, we commit and thank you for your incredible gift of life through Jesus. And we commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, I just love you just to take a seat just for one more moment, and I want to talk about one more thing. 
as a church, um, for years and years and years, we've done this. Uh, and that is that we've taken up what we call a first fruits offering. This morning, you kind of get a little glimpse of that in the Cain and Abel story. And Abel gave his first of born of his flock. And for years, we've just had the privilege of taking up a first fruits offering in our church. And you may be asking the question, well, what's a first fruits offering? Well, that's a great question. Because what a first fruits offering is the physical act of giving that represents our heart desire uh, to give God our first and our best. Okay? In Exodus, it just says this in 23, 14 to 16. It says, um, um, God spoke to the children of Israel. It's an Old Testament verse. And it says, Celebrate the feast of harvest with the first fruits of the crop you sow in your field. In other words, they used to have this great party. Because what would happen in Jewish times is that all the, the, um, the first fruit of the crop would come on. They'd take that, they'd harvest it straight away. That which they'd sown some months earlier, the first sowing. And now they harvest that and they'd take it and they'd give it, bring it into the temple, present it to the priests. And then, and, in, and then they'd um, harvest the rest of the crop when it finally came on. So it, it's, it's a giving, it's a principle. Why is it relevant for today? Well, it's relevant because um, we're probably not farmers here so much, but the principle of first fruits still holds true to today because when we give our best to God, it talks about He actually wants to bless our life. He actually wants to bless. There's a Romans chapter 11, 16. I love this verse in the Bible. It says this, Be, If the part of the, the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. In other words, it stands to reason if the roots of a tree are strong and healthy, of course, the branches of the, of the tree are going to be strong and healthy. And so what it's saying, as you give of your first fruits, it's saying as you give of your best, um, now, best offering it can give, you'll find that God ha has a provision for us to make sure everything that flows on in the rest of the year that he supplies and looks after you. I, I uh, unapologetically say that God is a supplier of my need because I've discovered a clue. As I give of my best, he continues to supply for me in the future. It's a wonderful principle. And God's continually, I, I'm a testimony to that, believe me. When you go from engineer's wage and a dental wage to a pastor's wage, just one wage, over the last 27 years and continue to see you're your, your provided for, that's a testimony to God's provision, I tell you. And it's not just about money, okay? <laughs> it's more than that. It's about our heart attitude. Um, so we, we, we're recognizing God. The, why do we do it? The principle of first fruits recognizes God as our priority in our life, just like Abel recognized God as a priority in his life. And he, promised, and, and he promises to be our provider. There's another verse that's similar to this one, Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crop, and then your barns will be filled to overflow, and your vats will brim over with new wine. How's that different to the tithe? Well, please understand the tithe is always God's to start with, and we're just giving him back what's his. It's a tenth or that's a tithe. Anything over that, like first fruits, is an offering. And so a first fruits practices the principle of giving God, of course, the best. Did you know in Old Testament times, they'd bring that first fruit into the temple and they'd give it to the priest because the priest wasn't a farmer. He couldn't work outside the tabernacle. He had to work inside the temple. And so he couldn't earn a living. And so they'd bring the first fruit to provide for their farmer. And um, 
I'm, um, to be honest, when you bring your first fruits into uh, this church, it doesn't go to the staff or the pastors because we have a wage. But we feel it should build God's house. And so we've continued over the years to sow our, um, our first fruits into um, wonderful endeavors that build God's house, His kingdom. And we've given money out into in missionaries, and we take the first fruits and we give the first part. And um, so this year, when we give our first fruits, um, we're going to actually, um, it's going to be, well, we're going to give it to the building extensions that we're going to continue to build. And if you haven't seen this drawing, it's up the back there. You can have a good look at it. But this has been over a number of years now. We've continued to be faithful with this vision, and it's taken a while, but um, things are happening. Last year, with some of our first fruits, we were able to build another better car park up the back there. Um, and um, that was, uh, to be honest, that cost $60,000 just to build all that, to do it properly, put lights in to, put in, to put the road in between the two car parks and all that stuff. So this year, we're just going to use it um, in the, the continual extensions of this building so we make more room. But um, before we ever give it to the extensions on this building, that money, we're going to use the first fruits to do something else. And uh, I want to put that up on the screen. In the Philippines, top right corner is Pastor Margaret's um, massive evacuation center. And over the years, we've given in to this evacuation center, and now it's an actual thing that's ha it's there. It's built. It's doing a wonderful job. She uses that evacuation center as a church, as a youth hall, as an indoor basketball stadium. And then if there was ever another typhoon or tsunami, that all the people could come there and be protected. It's really like, they call it the ark, because it just is there to save people's lives. So um, we've done that in the past, but some of the pictures around, like the boys in the left-hand corner, you'll see myself and Stephen, my son-in-law there. Uh, the picture in the bottom right-hand corner is all the Filipina, it's the, the youth group. Pastor Margaret Pashley has started this thing called the Center for Change, for those who don't know. And it's an orphanage. Hundreds of children have come through that orphanage, grown up and gone on to good jobs. And the orphanage is provided for children who are living on the streets of a city called Tarkloban and, the, and another smaller city called Barawan. These children have nothing. They have sometimes no parents, no future, no hope. She provides for them, brings them into the center, gives them education, gives them Christian schooling. And, um, and they come to the Lord wonderfully and start to serve God. Now, on the left-hand top corner is, uh, as I said, there's five boys there with me and Steve. And uh, early in this year in March, we went and had a day together on Saturday with these boys. And we just had a swim. And we had a bundle of fun riding around on the back of their motorbikes, which I was so proud to cart us around. But there's a young boy, there's a young man. All those boys are 17, 18, 19, and 20-year-olds. They came into the center of the change as orphans, okay? They came as little boys, five- and six-year-olds. And now uh, they're serving God, loving God, and uh, still um, got their own houses and living around the center for change. There's a young guy in the bottom left-hand corner, bottom right for you, called Ronaldo. And he came into the center as a, a little boy. He's now 19 years of age, around that age, and he's just um, been able to establish his dip diploma in agriculture. And there he is receiving his certificate. What a wonderful testimony. So I say all that. See the picture in the center? There's a jail. That's a typical jail in the Philippines. On the last day in March, when we were there, 
in the Philippines, Pastor Margaret and some of her team, and me and Steve went to a jail. It was in the city of Barawan, just where Margaret lives with the Center for Change. And in this place, every month, Margaret and her team go in there and just share with these, um, share with these um, uh, guys in jail. There's 50 of them. And it's typical. That's a typical jail. I couldn't take pictures of the actual jail because they wouldn't let us take our cameras in. But, you know, there's bunks about four high, four different levels. They have about 15 in a cell. 50 of these guys. And me and Steve just ministered and shared with these guys for about 15 minutes, we gave them bread. And when I just asked for a response at the end of the, um, that time and that meeting, um, nearly all of them put their hand up for us to pray for them. The good news about this jail is, is that this jail warden who runs the place is a Christian man. And that's why he invites Margaret to come into the um, jail and minister. Not just Margaret, but Margaret's team to come and minister God's love and God's grace. And these guys, it was a moment I just will cherish talking to these guys in prison and just their happy faces to respond and seek us to pray for them. Brilliant. So what we're saying is the jail warden spoke to us when we were leaving. He said, you know, you know, ask and you shall receive. And he said, you know what? We need a roof on this jail because the government have given us so much money, but we, they're not going to give us any more because it was a pretty new jail. And there's a roof section that's just totally bare, open to the elements, rain and, and everything else. And they said, it'll... Um, could you find it in your heart maybe to um, help us out? He was a pretty bold Christian jail warden, but I thought, well, good on you, mate. So I talked to Margaret, and then we came home and talked to our leadership here at the church, and I said, let's do it. And it'll cost us $4,100, but we're going to give the first bit of our first fruits there. Now, if all we receive is $4,100, well, that'll be it. We'll just give the, we'll give the whole lot. It'll be the first bit. If we, we hopefully get more than that, so we can continue to do something here in our town. So that's where First Fruits is happening, and that's what we're going to do. On the 2nd of September, Sunday the 2nd of September, Father's Day, we're going to take up our First Fruits. You can give before then if you wanted to. You can give after then, a month before and a month after. Then we'll close First Fruits down for the year. But you, if you wanted to give, you could put it in an envelope. You can pick it up from the front counter there at the front door, and you can put your money and put in the offering. You can give via FPOS. If you do, just mark it First Fruits 2018. That would be much appreciated. So there it is, First Fruits, the first of our harvest, the first, the best of our heart. So how about we just stand one more time? Hey, thanks, team. Been very good up there. And we're going to just close right now, and I want to just pray one more time. Father, we just thank you for once again this privilege to be together and share. We commit ourselves to you as we go into this week. That, Father, we'd use our time wisely. And that, Father, we'd be your representatives. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks, team. You just look so good up there. We just thought you'd stand.